You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Well, let's get this week started. Alabama hosting LSU this weekend, nationally televised game. Of course, most of them are anyway. But uh, big-time kickoff at 645. We'll be there. We'll be watching. Everybody will be because it's just such a huge game. And this is one of those games. It's cut and clear. It's the best defense perhaps in the SEC. I think so against the best offense, which I don't think there's any question about that. So it's going to be something that we can really get into and hype up all week. But first, let's just say, hello, Lars. How are you doing today, Matt? How was your weekend? I had a fantastic weekend uh, because I had most of it off. I worked Friday night, and then I just kind of lounged the rest of the weekend. Uh, did you ever make it to Nebraska? Oh, my goodness. Uh I had one travel experience in my life that was utterly horrible. Uh, left, uh, from Heathrow Airport to JFK and I got food poisoning on the plane. It was horrible. I say I, I ate lamb the night before, but what transpired on Friday was a close second. Uh, being on the tarmac for about six hours in Birmingham oh. and, uh, we went back to the gate once. Had the opportunity to get off, decided to roll the dice, uh, so that stopped the clock. There's a, uh, there's a FAA rule that you can only be on a tarmac for three hours before you have to, before the uh, pilot has to go back to the gate. And so we're on, uh, three hours and then almost another three hours take off, get to DFW, everything is absolutely shut down, no hotel rooms, it's his, uh, it was like, uh, I don't know. It was uh, a, a vision of hell, as far as I'm concerned. What time did you and, finally uh, get to Dallas? I, yeah, I made it to Dallas about one thirty, I think, in the morning. And uh, then I uh, was automatically rebooked on a 7 a.m. flight uh, mm-hmm. the next more, you know, five and a half hours later. Uh, and uh, so just gutted it out. Hung out with some people in the uh, airport. <laughs> All the lounges were closed. Uh, it was quite a so quite a scene, you know. There's on the dirty people. floor. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But uh, um, anyway, way, made it. Uh, yeah. By the way, we are killing yeah. time waiting on Nick Saban's news conference, so we're not yeah, going yeah. to. We're going uh, to get to uh, talk about your travel second. exploits. Speaking of which, yeah, here comes Coach Nick Saban. Let's go. So I know that, um, you know, bye weeks at this time in the season can be very beneficial. And I think in a lot of ways to our team, it was uh, very beneficial. Uh, I think we got lots of guys that were banged up a little bit, some rest and limited reps uh, so that they could heal up. And, of course, we won't know how well that happens until we see how they respond this week. And we got a lot of good repetitions on future opponents as well as LSU, you know, in the bye week. So that should enhance, you know, our preparation, you know, for this game. So, um, you know, as I told the players when they left Thursday after practice, I wanted them to enjoy their time off. But I also wanted them to be focused and ready to go and all in when we get back because, you know, LSU is really, really good team. Um They've probably one of the best teams in the country right now. I know they are the best team in the country on offense. Um, we're going to need an excellent attention to detail, focus, good technical preparation in the game so that, you know, everybody plays responsibility football, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. You know, I think this has developed into sort of a, you know, rivalry game because they're always ranked, we're always ranked. It's always a big game relative to you know, what happens in the, in our division. So, uh, it's an important game for, you know, both teams. I think Brian Kelly has done a phenomenal job, you know, bringing this team along, uh, the improvement that they made, the kind of team they had a year ago, as well as, you know, even a better team that they have, you know, this year. 
uh, in terms of what they've been able to accomplish and what they've been able to do. And I think it starts with their offense. They're the number one offensive team in the country. Um, and, you know, it starts with the quarterback, Jaden Daniels. I mean, this guy's a phenomenal player. He's a dual-threat player. He's a great passer. He makes lots of plays with his feet. He's fast. Um, not, not only can scramble to run, but can scramble to throw. Um, you know, they've got a really good running back in Logan Diggs. Uh, they got a good tight end in Mason Taylor. Um, you know, neighbors and Brian Thomas are really, really good receivers, but they have also other good skill guys to go with them. Their offensive line is big and physical, and they're able to create great balance on offense. Um, so it's going to be very challenging for us to be able to, you know, play the kind of disciplined football that you need to be able to play uh, and not make mistakes, tackle well in the game and be physical and try to win on the line of scrimmage. Uh, which is going to be challenging. Defensively, you know, they are good players. Uh, they're good front seven. Uh, they're big. They're physical. Um, and, you know, they play well together, you know, as a team. Uh, I think that, um, you know, sometimes they've had some struggles in the secondary, uh, some guys injured and different things like that. But um, they also make a lot of big plays. Um, they can rush. Uh, they affect the quarterback. And they can cover. So um, this is going to be a challenge game for us from that standpoint, too. And these guys have a lot of good athletes and a lot of really good team speed. So that makes them really good on special teams. They have good specialists. So this is a really, really good team all the way around. Yeah, you talked about Jaden Daniels. You saw him a year ago. What are the biggest differences you see in his game or improvements you see in his game from a year ago, if any? Well, he killed us last year. So, I mean... Guys was a really, really good player last year. He's a really, really good player now. Uh, I think, you know, overall, um, you know, they execute their offenses, you know, to perfection. Uh, and it starts with him because he makes the right reads uh, relative to runs and passes and, um, you know, zone option plays and, pass down plays he's very good at reading coverages makes really quick decisions um so uh all those things were evident last year i think by the way he played and i think he's probably even better you know now because he has even more experience and knowledge in the offense and they've got really good players around them yeah, and Daniels, again, I think he had 95 rushing yards last year. You know, And a lot of it, it looks like came on quarterback draws. How much emphasis is on that this year? Uh, well, actually, you know, he made a couple plays on quarterback draws, but some of them weren't designed quarterback draws. You know, two of his long runs in the game in critical situations, you know, came on bust up front in terms of gap control, and he just saw it and took off running. So it looked like a quarterback draw, but I don't really think it was a design quarterback draw. They do have design quarterback draws. Um, you know, it was a zone option play that he scored on us in overtime, 25-yard run. Uh, another mistake that we made in run support uh, and adjusting the motion. So those are the kind of things that you cannot afford to make those kind of mistakes right, when you're playing against a quarterback like this who basically, you know, is a great passer, but also have triple option type plays in the running game uh, to get him on the perimeter and um, so athletic you got to have the right guys trying to get him on the ground go to Charlie. yeah hey coach um, with Kendrick Law what kind of progress have you seen from him and what kind of versatility does he bring to this offense uh, you know K-Law is um, really a great competitor really tough physical guy uh, he is a little different than some of our other receivers, so uh, he does have, you know, a role uh, to play and, and does a really good job of that. He's a great special teams player, really good team guy, hard worker. Um, so, um, and I think, you know, we'll try to always have roles for him to play in the game uh, that benefit his skill set and complement the other guys that we have in the game. In the middle with Matt. Uh, what has added adding Logan Diggs done for their offense this season? Yeah, well, this guy is a really good back. He's big, strong, powerful, really powerful lower body. You know, breaks tackles, good one run cut one cut runner can make you miss. 
Um, but this guy makes a tremendous amount of yards after contact, um, and he is physical. When you go up against a, a really mobile quarterback like Daniels, you often talk about the importance of pass rushers being disciplined and staying in rush lanes. Is there a difficult balance to draw there between doing that but also making sure guys are playing aggressive? Well, I think we want our guys to play aggressive. Um, you know, I don't think you want guys to get pushed by the pocket. I don't think you want guys to lose contain on the guy. So, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, that. I mean, if you get pushed by the pocket, we're playing with 10 guys now. Uh, if you lose contain and he gets outside, you put everybody uh, in harm's way that's trying to, you know, sort of plaster their coverage and stay with the guys they got to guard. Plus, he can take off running. So, um, I guess there's a fine line between that. We've ever, we've never ever told guys to, to rush in their pass lanes, but be cautious. Never ever even thought of that. So, we're, we're not coaching that. Good ride. Coach, clearly it's a big game on Saturday, big day on Saturday, but tomorrow's a big day as well. Your birthday. Do you want anything for your birthday? What are you doing? Anything different? You're just locked into the game. No, I mean, it's, uh, game's the most important thing. That would be an outstanding birthday present if we could play well in this game. And so that's what I'm focused on. And that's what, you know, we're really, you know, trying to do. Um, you know, when your birthday and holidays come up in football season, they're really not holidays and they're really not birthdays. You get older, but you don't really celebrate much. I've got kind of two. What have you seen from your own coverage unit? And then what are the challenges of facing LSU's deep passing game? And how do you guys think you can bat to that? Well, I, I think there's lots of challenges. You know, you, you got to read run pass, um, and they got a good play action game. They'll seven man protect and throw vertical routes. They've probably made more explosive plays running and passing than, you know, any team we played in recent times. So, um, you know, you got to guard them, you got to keep them cut off, um, and you got to be disciplined in your eye control so that you have the best opportunity to do that. Um, you know, play zone, play man, play pattern match sometimes, try to mix it up. Uh, and, you know, I mean, that's the key to the drill. Uh, if you let guys get behind you, you don't get people cut off, you're probably going to give up big plays because they got a good thrower. Uh, and guys that can go up and get the ball. So what did you see out of Caden Proctor against Tennessee, and where does that competition stand at left tackle? Yeah, well, you know, Caden Proctor's getting better, uh, and I think he's uh, learning from, you know, and gaining experience and learning. Um, what we want him to do is, you know, not worry so much about making a mistake that uh, he's not playing aggressively and, that's what we've been working on with him, and you know uh, I think he's getting better and he's getting more confident. And I thought he played, you know, fairly well. Uh, he had a player two that I'm sure he'd tell you, and I'd tell you, and his coach would tell you that, um, you know, we didn't execute exactly correctly. But those plays are getting fewer and fewer, and the good plays are getting greater and greater. Two more, sir, Kate. You talked about this a little bit in your opening, but what is it about this game and these two programs that's created such good matchups, really, since you've been here at Alabama? Well, because, you know, they have really good players. Uh, they're very competitive. They've always been well-coached, um, you know, and this game has always had significance in um, the consequence of your season. Um, so the first thing you got to do is win your division. Uh, so, and that's what I'm, that we're really trying to focus on. Uh, and you got to get yourself ready to take care of business against really, really good players to be able to do that. So, um, and that, that's why I think both these teams have been ranked since 2007 or something, you know, in the top 20. So, um, and I don't know how many of the games we played with them in the last however many, 15 years or whatever, that don't have some consequence to uh, what kind of season you have. Coach, happy early birthday. You've seen many bye weeks and the results of them on the following Saturday. What is a marker to you of productive time off leading up to the game? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, you want your players, as I alluded to before, to enjoy their time off. But you also want them to be 
focused and ready to go when they come back. So there's a balance in all that. You know, you can't dissipate and go not eat right and do the right things while you're off. You can still enjoy yourself, uh, but you also can stay focused on um, what you need to do when you come back. And I think that's combination and balance and all that. You know, balance in life is important in about everything that you do. So um, that kind of balance can create very positive results for you when you come back and you're you're ready to go. If you didn't think about your job, what your responsibility is, one minute for three days, you're probably not going to benefit very much from the time you had off. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thank you. There you have Nick Saban at the podium at the Mal Moore football facility at the Capstone University of Alabama. Pretty much status quo. I mean, it's not, he doesn't get real, real jacked up or real, real low from, from week to week. And he was pretty much on point. And Lars and I will discuss what he discussed, what he talked about, what he was quizzed. And then also, there are so many stories to get to. How about them Auburn Tigers slapping the Bulldogs around? Final was 27-13. Did that turn the corner for Freeze and Company? Maybe a little early for that, but it certainly helps. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy, breezy, and much colder today. Temperatures falling into the 50s this afternoon. The chance of some scattered light rain. Mostly cloudy tonight, below 44. Tomorrow, gradual clearing and very cool. The high at 56 degrees. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Indeed it is. Jeff Spiegel will be joining us in about 30 minutes from ABC 3340. If he was not in attendance personally with the Nick Saban News Conference, he was certainly dialed into it, so we'll get his reaction. Your reaction, Lars, I, I think it was pretty atypical for a week, even though this is just a huge game for Alabama. You lose and you're out of everything. You win, you're yeah, in everything. I, I, I thought it was very uh, business-like, and uh, you can tell that the intensity level is being ratcheted up, even though it's just Monday. I think uh, Nick Saban and uh, the entire team and the entire fan base are well aware of what's at stake on Saturday at Bryant-Denny. And uh, I think first and foremost on uh, the coaching staff's mind is you've you got to contain Jaden Daniels. Um, he's leading an offense, as Coach Saban noted, that uh, it leads the uh, SEC in the in, or sorry, leads the country in averaging 553 yards per game. And the thing is, Jaden Daniels has accounted for 70 percent of that, passing for an average of 321 and rushing for about 65 per game. And so containing him is objective number one, two, and three for an Alabama defense. And now you go back and you look at how Alabama has performed since the loss to Texas. Alabama's defense hasn't allowed more than two touchdowns since uh, facing the Longhorns. That was six games ago. And during that stretch, they faced some pretty good offenses in uh, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tennessee, and uh, and so Jaden Daniels, you know, if Jaden Daniels comes out and has a big game, guess who's going to catapult to the top of the Heisman Trophy list, the Heisman Trophy running? It'll be Jaden Daniels because other than uh, his uh, not-so-great performance against Florida State when uh, he threw three picks, I'm sorry, he threw an interception, but he's only thrown three for the entire year, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, get his lowest completion percentage rate against the Knolls, and it was still 59.5. Uh, 
Um, but look, Alabama's defense, I would argue, is better than Florida State's. They got a better D line. They got better linebackers and the DBs are maybe a push. Um, and it's going to be, uh, again in Brian Denny. And, uh, you know, in talking to students and, and, and Matt, when we were at Innisfree on Friday, we talked to so many people just about the impact that the crowd had against Tennessee. I think it's going to be a similar situation. And I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Saban at some point, probably later on in the week, uh, makes another plea to the uh, Alabama fans. Like, hey, we need you. We need you to be a disruptive force. We need you to be a factor on Saturday. And I think they'll respond because they certainly did for the game against the University of Tennessee. And this one means even more. There's payback, again, like there was against Tennessee. Alabama's at home. That's huge. It's a night game. I, I think you might even get a little twist of Death Valley at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I think the fans are going to be that jacked up. You give them a chance to tailgate another four hours, see what happens. So I think that, and I totally agree, sometime this week he will hint at crowd involvement. But when it all comes down... You know, who normally wins when you have two very powerful, you have a powerful offense, you have a powerful defense? Who usually wins those games? The defense. Yep. The defense usually does, especially when you're at home, uh, because uh, the crowd, the crowd can really play a big role in this because, you know, normally the offense will have a, the offensive line will have a, a little bit of advantage because they know the snap count but they're going to have to go with the silent count. And so, uh, you know, the offensive, uh, defensive line can get off at about the same time as the offensive line. So that could translate into a big game for Mr. Dallas Turner. Uh, and, uh, in, I think he could be a real, uh, disruptive force. And, uh, you know, another big storyline. I mean, this is not rocket science here. It's the two quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow, right? Now, can he, uh, you know, hit those 10-yard outs, right? Can he be as accurate uh, in the intermediate game as he is in the uh, in, in, in the deep game? Um, but, uh, you know, uh, LSU's secondary, they're not that good. Uh, Which is unusual started, considering how many cornerbacks... And safeties there have been in the NFL from uh, LSU over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, look, they had, they had questions there uh, in the secondary before the season started. And then Brian Kelly brings in four corner transfers, and they've lost all four, right? And so LSU is uh, – they're, they're moving a, a safety to corner, and they're playing two true freshmen back there. So they can be had. And so I, I think, you know, Jermaine Burton, got to have a big game. Isaiah Bond, got to have a big game. And Tommy Reese, uh, I think, again, working with Nick Saban this week, how do they want to go about attacking this, this, uh, this secondary? Because that is the weak point for them. Um, and, uh, and, but, you know, sometimes this year it's been, it's been difficult, but, uh, but look, Jalen Monroe, he's had his moments, uh, against Ole Miss, 17 for 21, 81% completion percentage. But then against Arkansas, 10 for 21, 47.6. You just, you gotta get consistency. And then, uh, this goes without saying, Got to take care of the football. You're Jalen Milrow, right? And uh, Milrow has thrown uh, five picks uh, this season, and Alabama's turned the ball over uh, eight times. That's one. Uh, that's one a game. And uh, the Alabama defense have done a good job. They have ten takeaways over eight games. So, in in in, in a in a contest like this, where on paper the two teams appear pretty evenly matched, and I think everybody's given Alabama a, a slight edge, 
um, it, it's the, the turnover battle is going to mean a lot, and, and also the running game, and, and we'll we'll get into all of that. But this is a really intriguing matchup. I think it's uh, by far and away the uh, the most compelling game of the weekend in all of college football. It is essentially a uh, national title elimination game, and uh, I suspect Alabama's going to play really well. I really do. 6.45 kick on CBS. Game day will be in attendance as well. So it is going to be a huge weekend in Tuscaloosa. And Lars and I will be there dancing around all of it, including Friday back at Free. Friday place to be. Please join Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, myself, and Lars Anderson later this week. That will be on Friday. Another observation and something I really, really want to point out that I think is very significant with Alabama this year. We'll get to that and more as you listen to Big Noon Sports. It's back. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is on the Monday preceding Halloween, where tomorrow night... Lars, I'm sure you're excited about this as I know you'll be going hand in hand with your children door to door with pillowcases in hand. It's going to get down to 31 tomorrow night. How about that? That's going to cut on the, that's going to cut back on the trick or treating just a little bit. But, uh, anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there because weather is really going to take a dive. All right. What I wanted to mention that, um, we have talked about is the progress of Alabama's defensive line. We knew the secondary was bad. We knew about Braswell and Dallas Turner and Campbell and, and these guys that have been playing. But the front defensive line has been a little questioned, maybe, more so than any other group on defense. Let me put it that way. They have increasingly, week to week, Lars, have gotten better and better and better. And I don't think it's any secret because I've talked to some people that have had the pleasure of going to a few practice and they said the reason freddie roach freddie roach former alabama safety turned defensive line coach they said he's the reason why keenan and uh, smith and Payne are all getting a whole lot better so i just wanted to you know salute the guy um because he's just been doing a doing a really really good job at a tough position to mature players yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it comes down to, uh, technique so often and just, uh, will. I mean, it, it, these are the, these are the, these are the big boys on your team, right? And, uh, these are the ones that, uh, if, if you can generate pressure with four, right? Or if, if you can, uh, uh, just sort of control the middle of the line. 
I use, when I talk about this with other people, you know, I'm a big chess player. And one of the first things you learn uh, when you are starting to play chess is that it is uh, usually very important to control the middle four spaces on the board. And if you do that, you usually are going to be in control of the entire chess match because you are going to have your opponent on the defensive, on their heels. And I really think that that analogy works for football too. And, you know, we've talked about how uh, Nick Saban's very first scholarship offer when he got to Alabama was to Josh Chapman, who's also now on staff and does a great job. And Chapman, uh, he had committed to Auburn. He was a terrific uh, nose tackle slash defensive tackle out of Hoover. And when Nick sat down with him in his office, and uh, it was uh, Josh who recounted the story to me, he was just saying, hey, everything starts with you right in the middle. You control, you don't necessarily make, you're not making the tackle necessarily, but you control everything at the point of attack and you allow other guys to come in and, and, and make the play. Like everything in our defense starts right in the middle up front. And you can see that this year. And, uh, if you have talent on the defensive line, it just covers up so many other flaws. And I'm not saying Alabama has many flaws, but, uh, you, you know, the best cornerback in the country, he can't cover a guy for more than three seconds, right? Or three and a half or whatever it is, right? Even Marlon Humphrey, when he was here at Alabama, if you give uh, a quarterback time, uh, he's, the, the quarterback and the receiver are going to be uh, at, at, the, at this level, the SEC level, you're gonna you're gonna beat the best corner. But what's the cornerback's best friend? A pass rush, and uh, and and it, it, again, it, it starts with those guys right in the middle. And, and I'm with you, Freddie Roach. I think probably um, he would be like my my assistant coach of the year uh, if uh, if we uh, gave that award to the Alabama staff. I agree 100%, and they, they do have such an award. I believe it's named after Frank Broyles, but I, uh, I, he'd get my vote for Darnell. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a national award, but I'm just saying for, yeah. for, for uh, yeah. For yeah, just Alabama. for Alabama? Yeah, but uh, yeah. I think he'll get consideration nationally, too. But, uh, anyway, uh, well, before we go to break here and we bring on Jeff Spiegel to talk more about Alabama and Auburn and all, just tell me real quick, what was it like when Nebraska pounded the Boilermakers 31 to 14? You were live. I was there. And it was like I was a kid again. Um, my dad and I, we always would get there a little early. And, uh, and, 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 and by the way, it was, it was so freaking cold. I mean, my, my friends were just making fun of me because to them it's no big deal. But the windshield was like, <laughs> windshield was 15. And uh, to me, that's cold. That's really cold. I used to be able to handle it when I was actually living in Nebraska. But it was it was a gray day. It was cold. It was just like, you know, typical Midwestern football weather. And my dad and I always get there early. And we, we would walk in with the band. And it just so happened I was with my friends. And, and we were able to walk with the band. And it was just, it was so much fun. And... Uh, Nebraska has gone undefeated in October for the first time since 2001. <laughs> Yikes. That is staggering. But now you look at the schedule. Nebraska has a great shot of winning their division and playing either Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. <laughs> yeah, they got, uh, and, they got uh, Michigan State. Which is a very winnable game. That would get, that like would get them. Yeah, that would get yeah. them uh, bowl eligible. Uh, Maryland yeah. could be tough. Maryland. Wisconsin and Iowa yeah, are going to be tough. Maryland has Maryland has struggled uh, recently, uh, and then uh, Wisconsin has not been the same since their quarterback went out. They played Ohio State pretty good for a while, but Wisconsin is beatable. 
and Iowa is so bad that that Kirk Ferentz just fired his son, who is the offensive son. coordinator. Iowa yeah. has the worst offense in the country. So Nebraska, believe it or not, has a chance to make it to the Big Ten championship game, and uh, people are starting to believe in that rule. They really are here. I'm thinking they should. They really yeah. should. So it, it was. If you fun. think was, about how close they were to beating Colorado and beating, especially Minnesota. But, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, look, Jeff, Jeff Sims, uh, who was the quarterback at that time, he gifted both those games away. And the guy, because he, he fumbles the ball like every other play. He comes in. I, I think he was in for one play on Saturday. Fumble, scoop, score. No way. I didn't see that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Justin's, uh, I, I love you, buddy, but uh, you're not playing anymore. <laughs> oh, man, that's, uh, you know, my dream, bowl, my yeah. dream bowl matchup is for Nebraska to just get above the bowl eligible and play Auburn and Birmingham. I don't think that's going to happen, but, man, would that be cool? Yes, I'll ask myself. That would myself. be cool. Jeff Spiegel joins us on the other side of the break. He will be brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Hey, everybody. Coming up Tuesday on the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m., we're going to visit with the Rocket Man, Rudy Arman, talk some ball with him. And also the Titans report with Kayla Anderson. Titans have a new starting quarterback in Will Levis. We'll discuss it. And, of course, we'll continue to dive headfirst into Alabama and LSU. That's the Gary Harris Show, Tuesday morning at 9. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. If you found to the plane. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And our guest is Jeff Spiegel, ABC 3340. Hey, Jeff. Did you have a good weekend? I know you worked. You worked last night for sure and covering games on Saturday. How'd everything go? I did. I covered the Magic City Classic. I talked to you guys about that last week, and it was a blast, man. It was so much fun. Uh, the weather was perfect, just perfect. And uh, the football was, you know, really good. Uh, things got off to a slow start, but there were some really big plays. ASU threw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. And the really cool thing about it is that, you know, when you cover an Alabama game, I mean, it used to be like – great plays were made by kids who, you know, went to school around here. But nowadays, guys like Kool-Aid McKinstry, you know, the Pinson Valley guy, who's great DB for Alabama, well, well, those are, that's kind of the exception to the rule now. But in the Magic City Classic, man, you had a, you had a Ramsey kid come up with a Hail Mary catch. You had a Ramsey kid catch a touchdown pass for Alabama A&M from a Pelham kid, and then you had a Huffman High, a former Huffman Viking, uh, return a block field goal for a touchdown for Alabama State. So there were local kids making plays all over the place. And the cool thing about that is that, you know, these kids grew up in the Birmingham area. And so uh, it was uh, all the way around, it was just a really fun day. Hey, Jeff, uh, yeah. your uh uh, sort of big picture thoughts uh, of LSU as we as we head into LSU week. Well, I mean, uh, my my first impression is is that you know Alabama got away with falling behind twenty to seven, you know, to Tennessee, and uh, you know a couple of weeks ago, uh, but they 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 can't get behind this team because I I just don't think Alabama can win a shootout against these guys. Now, I think Alabama's defense is going to come to play. I mean, I've said before, I think they're playing at a national championship level. And I think if anybody can contain these guys, you know, I think it's, you know, Kevin Steele drawing up some schemes to, you know, to, uh, to, to contain these guys. But really, I mean, no one's been able to do it yet. 
And Jaden Daniels has, what, 3,000 total yards, you know, coming into this game. He's counted for uh, 30 touchdowns. He's only thrown three interceptions. So he's handled the ball extremely, extremely well, too. So, you know, someone, we were talking about this in the office, and I think someone hit it on the head. Low-scoring game, Bama wins. High-scoring game, LSU wins. I think it's probably that simple. That's a great observation, and I, I agree with it 100%. Our guest is Jeff Spiegel. Jeff, did you have a chance to listen to Nick? I don't know if you were there or not. You probably had a chance to listen to him. So uh, your reaction to that 15 minutes of saving? Well, I looked at some of the notes, and he, obviously he gushed, you know, about LSU's uh, playmakers, and, and I mean, and they've got a ton. I mean, it's one thing if you just have to worry about containing Jaden Daniels. I mean, you, you know, you could do that. Like a few years ago, you know, LSU came in here with Leonard Fournette, and, uh, and, and that got a lot of hype, but, but they shut him down, and then that was it. They didn't really have anybody else. But, but this is a case where LSU's got so many playmakers. And Jaden Daniels got so many people he can distribute the ball to. You know, Malik Neighbors, first and foremost, I mean, uh, just an, an incredible receiver, you know, there on the outside. So, you know, Nick spent a lot of time, you know, talking about those guys. And, you know, the one, one of the quotes was that, you know, Daniels just killed him last year and he did. And they've got to do a better job you know, of containing him this year, and I think they will. Uh, look, you can you can lay all the blame if you want to on Pete Golding. You know, for that last year, um, I, I think their I think their defense is better. You know, this year I don't know if it's because they don't have Pete Golding. I think it's because they got a lot of good players. You know, and uh, and I think they've they've got enough players to get it done. Uh, but I think you know the offense is going to have to do its part too. And, you know, LSU's defense is, you know, certainly nothing to brag about. I mean, yeah, they shut out Army 62 to nothing. Yeah, well, big deal. I mean, this is, this is a different story. This is a different game. Uh, the offense is going to have to do its part for Alabama, but, uh, but you know what? I, I think they will. It's, it's, it's going to be one of those games. It's going to be, I mean, it could go down as one of the best, you know, in the history of the rivalry and, and it's going to be tied all the way down to the end. I really feel that. You know, Jeff, on paper, that LSU secondary sure looks vulnerable. Uh, you got a safety switching over to play corner. You got a couple true freshman corners who are going to be playing. Uh, is this, does this feel like it's going to be a Jalen Milrow, uh, type of game where just, would, Alabama really needs him to play like he did, uh, say, against uh, Ole Miss and, and not Arkansas. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I really think I really think they do, and I, I'm encouraged by the way you know they ran the ball. You know, in the second half, I like the way they, you know, they put some quarterback runs in there. You know, I love that. Um, and you know, they're they're going to have to they're going to have to generate you know some points offensively because. As much as I believe in this defense, and I mean, I really, really, really do, uh, th- this is a, this is a next level offense. And, and Alabama's defense could just play incredible in this game and, and still give up a lot of points to this LSU offense. I mean, it could be one of those things that where, where Jalen Milrow and his guys, you know, that they got to win a track meet. And, and that certainly, as we said, plays in LSU's favor. But that doesn't mean, you know, it means, that doesn't mean that LSU's going to win. It just means that Alabama's just going to have to win a, you know, a slugfest and, uh, and just one of those, you know, wild west shootouts. And that, that's what it kind of, it's kind of playing out to me that that's going to be the case. And, and I've said it a million times, you know, that, one of these days, Will Rockard is going to be counted on to kick a big, big field goal, you know, at the, like as the buzzer goes off. Now you did it at Texas. You kicked a game winning field goal against Texas, but it wasn't one of those walk off situations. This could be one of those walk off situations where he kicks a big field goal and gets lifted up on the shoulders of his teammates and all that stuff. I mean, when I, when I think about this game, I just visualize 
a bunch of offensive dudes making plays and then Will coming in and, and, you know, sending everybody home happy. Like Van Kiffen. <laughs> right. Exactly. They don't get much bigger than that kick, I'm telling you. Well, that was the first, uh, I said this last night. I said this last night. That's the first college football game I ever covered. Was, uh, was the 85 Iron Bowl. I am not even joking. It was so incredible. I was working for, uh, WACT radio in Tuscaloosa and I was stringing for, uh, well, I was working for us, but I was also stringing for AP. And, um, and so I was, you know, I rode over there with Tim McGuire, you know, of, uh, you know, GGK and yeah, one of my closest and, uh, friends. Yeah. And it was, uh, gosh, it was so much fun. It was that, that fourth quarter now in that game was absolutely crazy. I don't want to get us off on a tangent, but, uh, uh but I yeah, mind. I mean, but, but it could be, uh, yeah, I mean, it could very well be one of those things where, you know, look, Alabama had Cornelius Bennett back then. I mean, Auburn had some pretty good defensive dudes, but. The offensive playmakers in that fourth quarter just put on a show, and, and this could be one of those situations too in this football game where that happens. Now remember, at the very end, Keith Jackson and Frank Broyles called that game, and after it was over, after the fifty-two yarder split the uprights, Frank Broyles said in his Arkansas draw, "Keith, that's the finest fourth quarter of football I've ever seen." <laughs> Meanwhile, Leighton was jumping out of the booth yelling, it's good, it's good, it's good, over and over. It was just, uh, I did not know that was your first game. And I don't mind taking yeah. a quick taking a quick detour to talk about that. But we'll go into depth on that sometime a little bit later. Hey, uh, Jeff, God, that's, that's golly. I remember I was running up and down the halls at uh, Channel 13. It was crazy because I was the guy that got to sit at home while everybody else did the reporting. So. But right, I do not right. complain. I do not complain <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, um, blessed to have just done that. Um, I was talking with Lars a little while ago about Freddie Roach, defensive line. I don't think there's a single position on this team that has shown so much improvement and is now considered a real strength along with the other positions on that side of the football. Would you agree? Oh yeah, I to- I totally agree with that. I mean, I think those guys have been uh have been cl- have been playing great. You know, they've been really dominant and you know, as we've uh you know, as we've talked about before, I think from, you know, each level, I mean, you go up. I mean, they're uh you know, they're deep. I mean, they're they're experienced and and they just uh and wow, they just I mean, they just play hard and and you know, this is this is the defense that you know, when Kevin Steele got hired, you know, the, the whole sales pitch was, you know, to sell it was, you know, this guy's going to bring the edge back. He's going to bring the physicality back. You know, he, he's going to, you know, bring that, you know, get your face mask and, and get these guys coached up and, and, uh, you know, whipping the other guy on the other side of the line back. And, and, and that's what they've got. And, and I'm, you know, I think I mentioned it last week when we talked about how that defense saved the day in the first half against Tennessee because there were situations where they, uh, two situations where they could have given up touchdowns, but the defense bowed up and uh, held Tennessee to field goals. And, you know, the, the more and more time goes by, the more and more that is going to get overlooked. But uh, we can't overlook how important those two possessions were in the first half. Very well stated. Jeff, can you hang past the one yeah. o'clock hour? All right. Absolutely. Uh, Want to get into some stuff maybe away from Alabama. Certainly we'll continue talking about the tide as well. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Nick Cope. News in the NFL. Titans coach Mike Vrabel said quarterback Will Levis will start again on Thursday if Ryan Tannehill is unable to play with his injured ankle. Reports say Giants quarterback Daniel Jones has been cleared for contact and he's on track to return next weekend as they face the Raiders. Reports say Patriots receiver Kendrick Bourne and Falcons offensive tackle Grady Jarrett both tore an ACL yesterday. Free agent running back Leonard Fournette is signing with the Bills practice squad. In the NBA, the Athletic reports Kings guard De'Aaron Fox suffered a moderate right ankle sprain yesterday and will likely miss some time. Pasadena police have launched an investigation after Colorado football players reported jewelry was stolen from their locker room Saturday night at the Rose Bowl. And 24-7 sports reports Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz is not expected to return for the 2024 season. More big noon sports coming up. October is Jeff Spiegel, sports director, longtime member of the Birmingham and Alabama media. It's Jeff Spiegel. Jeff, um, your kids are old enough where they don't go trick or treating. Have you got a quick uh, Halloween <laughs> memory for us? Because uh, I used, to, I, I was never big into Halloween when I was younger, but I became very big into it when I would take my kids. Yeah, so much fun. I don't have any. Um I don't have any memories like in particular, um, but How about something um, you dressed yeah. up as as a kid. You know, it's so crazy. I was thinking about this during the commercial break because I I wondered if you were going to uh, to come up with something like this. I can't remember. I can't remember a Halloween costume, but I do remember this. I remember Batman was really big when I was a kid. So I probably dressed up as Batman. I'm just taking a wild guess that maybe I did. Because that premiered in 1966. In fact, a little little trivia. Do you remember the TV show called The Munsters? I do. Yeah. It was on from 64 to 66 and would have stayed on longer. But Butch Patrick, who played Eddie Munster, said, uh, Batman killed us. You know, Batman premiered and and uh, pretty much killed our show. Oh, really? So Batman destroyed the monsters. It was like, I, I think of those balloons, you know, when Batman and Robin are in that fight, they go, Biff, pow, bam. Like one of them punched Eddie Munster and uh, Herman and Willie and Grandpa and all those people <laughs> in spot and uh, sent them into cancellation. But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, I, I don't remember dressing up like anything in particular, but, uh, but I probably went as Batman when I was a kid. Lars, did you dress up like some Star Wars character every year? <laughs> no. Uh, seems like I was a football player every year. And uh, one year I went, gosh, I think I was in sixth grade. I went as a woman. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what my dad had to wear. But, uh, yeah. Deafening silence here. First of all, I can't believe you did that. I, I, mean, I, I really can't believe me, you just admitted it. Well, I think he made me look more, instead of just like a, a little girl, he made me look like, you know, a, a, a lady of the night, so to speak. I don't and, know. That is and I worse. wasn't even aware of that. That was my dad, though. That was his sense of humor, you know. <laughs> no one was flipping warped. <laughs> but, but, my joking. son, my son is meeting? going. My son is going as a zombie pickleball player. Oh, wow! <laughs> He's never played pickleball in his life. I'm like, where did that come from, dude? He's like, I don't know. That's so cool. Love wow. that creativity. Well, you're not going to yeah. do the father son deal and dress him up like a you know what on Fourth Street. <laughs> not not, this year. You know what? We need to get back to football. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. glad I brought it up, but I am also going to drop the flag right here. All right. <laughs> hey, I want to know. A lot of people are saying that Auburn really turned the corner against Mississippi State. Very convincing opening with two 75 yard drive. They end up beating Mississippi State by a score of 27 13. I put the brakes on it being season turning, although. 
they can win the next three games, obviously they're going to get bowl eligible and maybe go to a pretty decent one. Your thoughts, Jeff Spiegel? Well, I thought in the first half they were great. I thought in the second half, uh, you know, not so great. Now the company line is that they, uh, you know, they got conservative, you know, with a lead and all that. Um, and also that probably Mississippi State made some adjustments. But no, in the first half, I mean, they were terrific. I think it was like 268 total yards or something in the first half. And, uh, you know, uh, it was the first SEC game that, um, that Thorne has really shown up in and, and played well. 20 of 26 for 230. First guy, first, first Auburn quarterback to throw for three touchdowns against an SEC team since Bo Nix in 2020. So that Bo Nix name just keeps coming up time after time after time after time. And I don't know if you guys saw him and the Oregon Ducks like putting a whooping on Utah, but Oregon to me, is looking like a team that, that couldn't win the whole thing. But no, back to Auburn, I think part of it had to do, you know, with, with the opposition. I don't think Mississippi State is all that good, but, you know, Auburn went out there and executed and, you know, they got Fairweather involved. They got Javarius Johnson, who's been kind of in and out of the training room a lot this year. He got involved. Um, they threw, threw a touchdown pass to Jeremiah Cobb, that great freshman out of the backfield. Uh, you know, Shane Hooks caught a touchdown. So a lot of the receivers were getting involved and Thorne looked very, very confident in what he was doing. And, and I'll be honest with you last week, I mean, I was ready to give up on the guy, but, uh, but Freeze, you know, has kept the faith and put him in there and, and he looked good. Uh, Jeff, let's stay with, uh, just taking a look at the, uh, national picture. You mentioned Oregon. Uh, who should Alabama fans be rooting for? Let's just, uh, for the sake of, uh, sake of argument and for, for fun, let's pretend that Alabama wins out. Uh, what needs to happen for Alabama to make sure that they get into that final four? Well, I think Texas has got, you know, a lot of work ahead of them. Um, you know, their quarterback is injured. Ewers is injured. Uh, they got to play a backup quarterback against Kansas State, who's a really good football team. So I don't, I, I mean, I see Texas losing, you know, I, I, I see Texas losing that game. I mean, quite honestly. And then the Pac 12 is going to, you know, figure itself out. There's probably going to be, you know, an Oregon Washington rematch, uh, somewhere along the way. Um, you know, so it, you know, it's just, it, it always tends to work out, but the bottom line is, if Alabama takes care of business and wins out and they beat Georgia and they beat Georgia, I mean they're not gonna need any help. I mean the SEC champion in that instance, I mean, is gonna get in the playoff. I mean, they just are. You know, but um it, it so you could look at it and you could go, Well, they need some help with this or need some help with that, but but if they went out, they're in. But you know, nine and a half times out of ten, you know, things happen that really It'll all take care of itself, you know, down the line. But uh, but I don't think Alabama's going to need any help if they went out. Well, uh, if I could just follow up. Just wait for Nebraska will beat Ohio State in the Big Ten, Big Ten Championship game and I'll enable <laughs> Alabama to uh, get to the playoffs. And so everybody who listens to this show can call in and, and thank, thank me for supporting the Huskers so much. But, uh, Jeff, as of right now, just like right now, who are the top four teams in the country in uh, in your mind? Boy, as much as I hate to admit it, um, I think Michigan. I think Michigan's there. I think um, I think Florida State is certainly there. I mean, I love I love how the Seminoles were playing. I, Oregon. I mean, I think Oregon's there. I think Oregon's gonna. I think Oregon's gonna win out. And you know, it's it and. And it's not so much because, you know, I love what Bo Nix is doing. I love what everybody's doing on that football team. That defense is relentless. I mean, they got some big, physical, fast guys, you know, who will just get after you. So I really like that football team. And then, um, you know, then I'll, then I'll put the SEC champion in there. I mean, I, Georgia, Georgia looked great. I mean, you, you could talk about, you know, well, Florida's not the Florida of old. You could talk about that. But 
certainly Georgia's going to get tested here with Missouri and Ole Miss and Tennessee, but, um, you know, the SEC champion's going to be there too. But I like the SEC champion, Michigan, uh, the Knowles, and also the Ducks. Who would be your leading candidate right now for the Heisman? And we'll let you go. Bo Nix. Bo Nix edging out Jaden Daniels. I think Nix and Daniels are, are the two most consistent quarterbacks that have played this year. And, uh, and, and I like Nix to edge out Daniels and, you know, and, you know, but Bo, but Bo's got to show up every Saturday and, and get the job done. And I think he will. And if Jaden Daniels beats Alabama, that makes him a clear cut favorite. Yes, you are so correct, sir. All right. I'll let you get back to your Batman costume. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate y'all. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff Spiegel. Uh, they do a great job covering high school football. They do a great job, period. But Friday nights are special with their pre and post high school coverage. Then all day Saturday, they're covering games around the state, not just Alabama and Auburn. I thank them for that because that's a lost art in a lot of places, not all. And then Sunday, he does The Zone at 1035. You should be dialing them all in. So they're wonderful programming from 3340. All right. What a wonderful return to the NFL that's coming back on Big News Sports. Hey, if you're